Hey y'all, it's Jenny McGrew and this is the Worship Leaders Collective Podcast. Okay, can you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. Okay, well we just want to welcome everybody to the Worship Leaders Collective Podcast. We're really excited today. We have uh, Marissa Odd with us in the studio, well online in her studio and then ours. Um, to talk to us about something that we're really passionate about and we've really been wanting to explore for quite a while, and that's the Enneagram or Enneagram. Is it the Enneagram or Enneagram? It is the Enneagram. (laughs) Perfect. So we're going to talk about that in in just a moment. So we're really excited to unpack that. Uh, Many would know that um, Enneagram, the Enneagram, um, really seems to be quite the rage right now. It's actually not brand new, but it just seems to be something that people are grabbing a hold of right now. So it's just really great to see people learning about more about who they are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and better ways that we can be working for and with one another. But a scripture, I was thinking about a scripture this morning and just in pertaining to this conversation we're going to have, um, I was thinking about Judges 5-2. And it says, when the leaders lead in Israel and the people willingly follow, bless the Lord. And I've always really loved this scripture because it just shows that leadership and that fellowship really working together and how important it is um, that obviously to be walking in unity. Psalm 133 is clear on that. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. Um, But to really begin to obviously as churches, I think we're really good about we we pray about it. we, We quote scriptures about it. But are we really walking alongside our team and helping them be the best? that they can be. I think oftentimes worship rehearsals and, you know, or other kind of teams that we're leading can look like, okay, let's just get in and out of here as fast as we can. We've all got a lot to do, you know, like let's just practice our set list or let's learn a new song or let's just practice transition when there's really so much real estate that we can be using to equip our teams. Because when we give our teams our best, they give us their best, you know? So I was, um, listening to the Don Maxwell podcast, actually, and he said a few things in here that I really like. And there's four points he made, and he said the personnel determines your team's success. Vision will determine the team's direction. Work ethic develops preparation of the team. But he said leadership determines the success of the team. You know, so I think anytime, like it's easy to blame. Oh, my team is not this. My team's not that. My team's not that. But you know, I often say, you know what, it's a leadership failure, you know, like we could, it would be like, you know, I think of it a lot and Marissa, we're going to um, get to know a little bit about you in a moment, but you guys have children, you and your husband, so you guys have kids and it's much like raising a family in a way. We can't be just blaming our kids for their mishaps and this mm-hmm. and that, like we have to as parents take responsibility, you know, totally. for what in our home and any time that God has called us to lead a particular area, um, it's incumbent upon us to, to the best of our ability, leaning into the Lord and, and learning more to be better leaders, getting better to lead people so that we're able to invest the best into our team and help raise them up and help equip them into what God's called them to do. So I always love the cheesy phrase that John Maxwell says about team together. Everyone achieves more. And whenever I say that, like I usually say it with like a big geeky smile on my face and people make fun of me like in a funny way, but it's totally true. Like together we will achieve more, but that together is a process and it takes a lot of time 
on a, on a, on a leader's, um, on a leader's schedule and in their day-to-day to invest that into their team, spirit, soul, and body so that their team can the best that God has called them to be. So here we are, we're going to talk about the Enneagram and I, I love the Enneagram. I love sending tests to people and, you know, and helping people discover more about who they are and, you know, how can we get better? How can we work together? So mm-hmm. uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about you mm-hmm. and we will get into chatting about Enneagram. Sure. So, yeah, I, um, I'm a worship leader in Calgary and uh, my husband and I have been um, leading worship all over. Well, we originally came from Atlanta and before that I uh, grew up in the Toronto area, my husband in Halifax area. And we both kind of were um, worship leaders, love, love worship and everything about it. And, you know, it's tricky because you, you have two individuals coming together doing kind of the same thing. So when we were married, there was, you know, just some interesting dynamics ab- around that about, you know, which, which way is more successful or which way is more authentic. And, you know, all these questions we ask ourselves about what great worship leading includes. Um, so fast forward a bunch of years and we have three kids. Um, Phil's full time on staff at a church and I kind of played around, had a few different jobs within the church and then outside of the church in the corporate world and, um, had been, you know, still heavily involved with the worship ministry, but was really enjoying the corporate space. And, you know, I, I was familiar with using, personality assessments in order to define a person's gifts and roles and even spiritual gifting tests are very useful and helpful. But, uh, the particular season I was in when I first, you know, Phil was like, we've got to read this book together. You know, the road back to you, he knew that it was coming down the pipeline, but he didn't have it in his hands. And he's like, you know, all these different writers are, are giving it awesome press and we need to read this together as a couple. And honestly, I just become so burnt out on personality assessments in the corporate space because oftentimes what happens is they will, you know, get you to do these eight amazing personality assessments and then they'll take that information and kind of pigeonhole you or so I felt, which has a lot to do with my number. Um, And so I was a little bit resistant in the beginning to learn about it, to, you know, dig in because I just thought, oh, they're kind of all the same. But anyway, he got the book and we both dug in. We both like had different color highlighters so I could read his thoughts and he could read mine. And I, I still recommend that couples do that if, if you um, have a hard time articulating your thoughts or after you read or something, just use different color highlighters so you can see what sparks something, somebody else. But anyway, um, so I dug in and I thought, oh my goodness, this is incredible. What is this? So just obviously became very like voraciously reading anything anybody would recommend, listening to all the podcasts. And then I think it was Phil, between Phil and he definitely confirmed some things that I felt like God was speaking just for me to go ahead and and take some sort of formal training in it. 
because people were starting to ask me more and more. And I just felt like the weight of it, like you, you can't, you're not really supposed to type people. And it's kind of a heavy thing to say, oh, you're this number. And we can't base typing off of behaviors and all that kind of stuff. So the more I got into learning about it, just the heavier it felt. And, um, and so, yeah, so I pursued uh, certification to coach it formally. And, um, and that has just kind of taken me down a path of really cool opportunities of helping people discover more about how God has wired them. Um, I think it's an amazing practical tool for taking every thought captive and also, you know, taking the emotional strain out of difficult conversations. So inevitably I've been working with teams, ministry teams, corporate teams, um, in that same kind of corporate space that I came from, but, um, now I'm on the other end of it, which is really neat how God is using that full circle to just kind of bring some healing. And, you know, I think, I think I felt what a lot of people feel is, you know, maybe misunderstood or, um, typed into a, a space that they want to have other opportunities to grow. And I think a lot of, especially young people feel that way. Um, even in our churches. And, um, and so I think God is, is wanting to, um, I don't know, he's just given me such a deep passion to normalize talking about how we feel. And it doesn't always have to be about conflict. It doesn't always have to be about mental illness, but there's always health to talking about our emotions and our reactions and our thought life. And I, yeah, I'm kind of on, uh, I'm kind of on a rampage to normalize yeah. emotional health. <laughs> That's my goal. So wherever God leads that, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a ministry space or a corporate space, um, people are hungry for authenticity for sure. Yeah. I love your passion and your enthusiasm for it. And just knowing what I know about you, you have such a heart of compassion to help people, you know, Thank and just you. even what you were what you were saying was, you know, like, can we just be real? And can we just be authentic? Can, can we just talk about this? Let's quit. Let's quit living life like nothing is happening. Or I'm mm-hmm. not feeling anything. Or, you know, I don't know how to talk about this. So I'm never going to talk about this. But let's actually take this one step further. And if I can learn more about this area in Enneagram, then perhaps I can help carry a key that will help unlock people and help me. Absolutely. Them yeah. So, and not and, the, and the, what I love about Enneagram is it's not just about one person. It's about everybody because what what I learn about in me causes me to see other people different. And then, you know, then they begin asking questions and then I'm able to help them. And then it just becomes this awesome catalyst, you know. And so for Enneagram, what's really great too is, you know, it, it was like magazines in like the 90s, you know, you take all those tests and whatever people did. I don't think I've ever bought a magazine in my life. But, you know, like you can see those when you're standing in the supermarket. but I've, I've sent, you know, Enneagram tests to so many people and they just get so pumped about it, you know, and it, it's so awesome seeing people have their aha moments like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, you know, I don't like telling people I'm an eight, like I was telling you that. And I know I think your sister's an eight too. We had breakfast um, last month, you know, when we were in Calgary and she's mm-hmm. like, so what number are you? I'm like, oh, you know, an eight. And I'm like, I always just put my head down. <laughs> she's like, sorry. I'm sorry, but you know, when you see, when you see the full picture though, you know, and you don't just buy into the label, like, oh, I'm an eight and you know, I'm an 
made and this is my lot in life and I am going to be like Donald Trump for the rest of my life, like, you know, or whoever. I'm just being 50 yeah. But to be like, okay, let's take this a step further because I, I believe and I, that humility um, always wants to grow and always wants to become better. And as we're leading our teams, we have to be humble enough as leaders to take a hard look at ourselves. Yes. You know, with that heart of humility, because it's not just the, the things that we say, but it, it's how we're leading people. And when we're leading our teams into humility, we're leading them into health. You know, we're leading them into life. We're leading them into grace and unity. So I believe that this is just one of the amazing tools that we can be using in this season to help equip our teams. Mm-hmm. You know, really have the heart of, hey, we're not just going to show up and do our set list this season, but let's take this a step further. Let's work on how we relate to one another. Let's work on our heart. Let's work on who we are, you know, yes, and absolutely, and become the fullness of who God's called us to be. So I did a little research on just what even Enneagram means. And I just thought it was fascinating that Enneagram means nine. Yes. You know, and, and Graham means obviously to write down or to, to draw, but so that there's nine personality types, correct? Yeah. And it, it's less about personality and more about um, just way of seeing. So nine ways of seeing the world. It's almost as if each one of us wears a a pair of colored lenses Mm -hmm. and we don't even know that we're wearing them. Right. So it's less about boxing somebody in and saying, this is exactly who you are. If you're an eight, I know everything about you. No, it's just actually telling you what kind of lenses you wear and, and that you're actually wearing lenses and not everybody sees the way you see. So I think it's, um, it kind of removes the stigma of some of the other assessments that are very, you know, prescriptive. This is, um, this deals more with our habitual reactions to what's happening in our world. So our reactions in stress and in growth and, um, conflict. And some of the ways that, you know, we keep tripping up and it's the same argument over and over again. And we don't understand why that keeps happening. Um, It's because we, we assume that people understand our perspective, right? But we don't realize that we have our own lens too, right? So, yeah. So I think it's really, if people can think of it like a lens, it will really kind of take the sting away from some types just do not like to be tight. And that's, totally reasonable. Um, but it's just a way of seeing the world. Right. So what are the nine types? Nine lenses. Yeah. So if you start at the top of the structure and all types are, are equal. Um, I've heard, you know, all kinds of different teaching that nine is the most Christ-like, but really they're all equal. Um, nine (laughs) is at the top and it's known as the peacemaker. I try to stay away from labels because sometimes Um, you know, our parents or people who raised us attach names to us like, oh, you were such a good little helper. And maybe that's not your type at all. So just try to ignore the names. And um, what we want to focus on is the core fear and the core motivation. So nine is the peacemaker and they avoid conflict because they want to maintain connections and relationships in their life. And so Oftentimes it can be referred to as the sloth lovingly, of course, and it's not because they're lazy, but it's because they, they always have one aspect of life that they fall asleep to. They just don't want to deal with it. So they push it aside and they do um, just want to maintain that glass top surface on a, you know, really beautiful lake. 
They don't want a ripple. They don't want any waves. And um, yeah, so there's a whole lot more to that, but I'll try and go through these really quick. One is known as the perfectionist, but the kicker is, is that perfectionists never see themselves as perfectionists ever because nothing is ever perfect enough. So I like to refer to the ones as improvers so they can walk into a room and know what needs to change, know what processes are not effective enough. And they um, always have an inner critic. So that's really critical if, if um, somebody's trying to determine their type. If they have an inner critic, that's important to pay attention to. Twos are known as the helper. And they um, spend most of their time thinking about how they can help others in their problems, how they can fix things for people. They have a hard time articulating how they're feeling, not because they don't know how they're feeling, but because um, not everybody has earned the right to, you know, see it's more of a sacred thing the way that they feel because their focus of attention is always on others. So I'm sure you can think of somebody who, uh, you know, says, how are you doing? And you want to catch up and then you want to hear how they're doing, but somehow they manage to always shift the conversation back to you. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a classic two move. That doesn't mean that they're two for sure, but that's a good picture of what a two is always able to do is just kind of always defer to the other. And, uh, it's a, it's a real gift. They're the most servant hearted, but it's also, you know, there's difficulty with that. Threes, um, are known as the performer. Um, or successful achiever. They are visionaries. They um, often look like ones and there's some real significant differences, but they, they want to be successful. They want to win and they want to look good doing it. Um, and they fear failure. So they know how to spin a situation. They can see the positive in it, but it, it also can be spinning sometimes um, a scenario in order to feel less of like a failure. Fours are known as the individualists. They want to stand out and be unique. They do not want an ordinary life. Um, they want, you know, everything extraordinary. They're the only number that can handle all of the emotions. They're not afraid of scary things, sometimes even drawn to it. And, um, they make incredible pastors and chaplains because they, they're the only number that can sit with somebody's pain and not have to fix it or manage it for them. Mm-hmm. Five wow. is known as the observer or the researcher or even explorer. Um, so they love learning. That is their passion. And they um, can sit with an idea for years on end and they will never quite feel like they're ready to release that information to the world because um, they never, their, their greatest fear is incompetency. So even though they do way more research than the rest of us do, they spend way more time analyzing um, information, they still, they always have this fear in the back of their mind that they might just not know enough in order to be an expert. But that is uh, eventually their goal. Fives want to be an expert or a master in their specific field of study. Sixes are known as the guardian or the advocate. And they um, are kind of always looking out over the horizon to see what kind of dangers could be encroaching on their family or friends. So they're always looking out for the team. They often will take the role of leader. Um, if there is a vacuum of power, they'll, they'll rise up and take charge. 
or they can hang back and fall into line. It really depends on the situation. And that's mm -hmm. what a six will say a lot. Like if you ask them a question like, do you like to lead or do you like to follow? They'll often say, well, it depends on the situation because they're so adopt adaptable and they really are like the secret superhero of the Enneagram because they can rise up like that sleeper cell just at a moment's notice. They can rise up into a leadership um, mode or position if that's what's needed to protect the group and keep them safe because um, they're always looking for security. Sevens are known as the enthusiast and they are um, often like looking for entertainment type experiences. So they want to stay on the positive end of things. Um, they often are not in touch with how they're feeling. In fact, they're the only type that doesn't have any organic movement, meaning arrows and stress or growth or wings to the heart center. So their feelings are often very deeply buried and um, sevens have a hard time connecting with the dark emotions. So mm -hmm. they often, you'll see sevens, they'll have a variety of experiences of life, different types of jobs. Because when things get a little bit tricky or tough um, or even boring, they have like a backup plan, like an escape hatch for something that they'd rather be doing. So where sixes have backup plans for danger, if something dangerous happens, sevens have backup plans for when things get tough and boring. Um, okay. They've got a positive backup plan. And then you've got eights. The beloved commander, the um, I call them the snowplow. That's not original to me. That's uh, your Enneagram coach, Beth McCord. She's amazing. Um, she taught, she teaches that the eight is like the snowplow. They're big and intimidating, but they, they make things safe for us to get things done. And we need them in our lives in order to make it safe for everyone because they're passionate for justice. They'll always take up for the underdog. And beneath the tough exterior is a very tender heart that is afraid of being betrayed. And they're, they're not really cool with being super vulnerable. So, um, yeah, that's kind of all nine types in a nutshell. Yeah. But if you're really interested in, you know, learning more about them, really focus on the, the core fears and the motivations of each one because that's what's going to connect you to your dominant type, not necessarily behaviors. You communicated that so well, and I know that was a mouthful, so thank you for communicating all of that. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, I just think that's, you know, that's really the core of what gets people excited about the Enneagram, because we're all looking for, okay, who am I, or what what applies, you know, into my life, and I think is, is a, it's incredible is that so many people know about it. I think equally is opposite as well, too. There's so many people that aren't aware of mm -hmm. this, this tool that is, is out there. Um, question, have you done this with your team in church? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, staff. And then I've done, um, a couple rounds of 10 week courses and really, really great positive, um, interactions for all of them. In fact, the staff, this is our second year, just really deep diving into, um, Enneagram work because it just, we never, we never are perfected, right? Till we see them face to face. But I, I think we always have ways we can improve our communication and stuff. So it's been really positive. And actually I do have a two day workshop coming up at the end of this month 
Um, just switching it up a bit instead of doing 10 weeks where people mm-hmm. have to commit. Not every number can commit to that long. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really fun seeing how people are learning and kind of some are hesitant, uh, you know, dependent upon their background or culture. But um, it's been really fun to get to know people on this level for me, especially being new to a city. Right, completely. And have you guys found that it's been really helpful? And there's been like tangible results. Yeah. So one of the, the top ways that I I meet with people regularly, um, one-on-one sessions and, um, just either confirming their type or helping them deal with stress management, because most often people really, once they identify their type, um, they become awake to the ways in which they react. And they, most people don't like the way that they behave when they're stressed or something catches them off guard and they're not sure what the trigger is. So the Enneagram is helpful in directing you to, it's not going to say specifically because again, it's, we don't base your type off of behavior, but it will help you get underneath um, why that bothers you so much or why what she said was so hurtful. Um, because you know, the things that matter to us, we're going to react because they matter. Um, so I think it's important to do that kind of stress management or soul work, whatever context, um, you find yourself in to, I think it's a real gift to be able to say to your loved ones or your coworkers, Hey, I know you know this already, but I just want to acknowledge that when I get stressed, I act this way, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you already know that about me and I'm Mm -hmm. learning to become more self-aware, but the way that you can help me if I start to respond this way is fill in the blank. And Mm -hmm. that's even a real gift to have that conversation around the table with your family. Like, it's amazing. My kids are 10, 12, and 14, and they know more about emotional health just because what they're seeing on social media, what they're hearing in the classroom than I do. And it's mm-hmm. a real challenge to me as a, as a seven, actually, to get in touch with how I'm feeling. It's hard work. It's a lot of hard work to articulate and identify what I'm feeling in real time, but they respect that. They want authentic conversation around why did you just freak out over something so little? They want, they want to talk about that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think it translates not only in the workplace or on ministry teams, it translates at home. And I really oh, think oh. we need to step up with our kids as far as talking about emotional reactions and not just in the moment, but after the fact, just really being authentic about, cause they know how we act, but we need to acknowledge it. <laughs> That's so good. We actually did, um, it was last year, I think on a family night, we did the whole Enneagram together because it was one of the classes I was taking in school. And, you know, it was a hard sell at first being like, Hey, this is going to be so great. And it was like, Oh mom, why, why? You know, because they would have been 16 and 19 at the time. Like why? Totally. And, uh, then the next day they were all over it, man. Like they were all over it, you know, and it was just so beautiful to see fresh eyes Mm -hmm. happen in the house, you know, and maybe a little more tender heartedness or, Hey, let's talk about that. Or Mm -hmm. where, or maybe you just kind of like bulldoze over it or just bulldoze past the scenario of what happened. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you know, you can only have, we can only have so many, I'm fine, you know, 
moments to where things are eventually probably going to crash and burn. And, you know, we are not going to be the prettiest version right. <laughs> of ourselves, but there's a better way, you mm-hmm. know, that we get to grow, you know, and here's some tools and ways that we get to grow personally. We get to grow in our homes and with our families. We get to grow with our teams and grow with our worship teams. Um, so I want to help people find where they can find you. So you're on Instagram, Enneagram and you. Yes. Enneagram and you, it's a black logo, just like an E in the logo. And Mm -hmm. I try, I try to do stories, um, if not daily, you know, as close to it as possible, but this is a great avenue for people to ask questions. If they're wondering, um, if they're stuck between two types and they're having a hard time differentiating, I love getting those kinds of questions so people can reach me there and yeah, start the conversation. Awesome. And is there a book that you would suggest people to read or, if, you know, follow you? Yeah, and- definitely. Um, I do have a list of books in my story highlights, but um, if you're absolutely brand spanking new to the Enneagram, I would start with The Road Back to You. Road Back to You? Yes. Um, Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, and they both have um, a joint podcast and a separate podcast. And there's a follow-up book to that one, which is The Path Between Us by Suzanne Stabile. And there's lots of other amazing books. Um, The Sacred Enneagram talks about spiritual disciplines for each type. Um, 27 Pathways by Dr. Beatrice Chestnut. She's amazing. Not necessarily from a spiritual perspective, but technically Mm -hmm. speaking, if you know your type and you want to learn about your subtype, that's the very best book to get. There's so many books out um, and, and lots more in the works. Beth McCord just put one out for marriages. It's amazing. Um, Becoming Us, I believe it's called. And uh, yeah, it's, there's so many tools out right now. So I feel really fortunate to be able to send people towards those resources, especially if you have a team or a family that wants to learn and grow in these areas. But if you know your type, one really... Um, quick way that you can just begin to be accountable about your reactions is learn about your arrows, learn about your reactions and stress and growth. Find a friend who is your number that you go to in stress so that they can kind of talk you off the ledge, um, hold you down when you're ready to like attack or, you know, whatever your response to stress is. But having that person who is your number in stress and that's their dominant type, they're going to be able to give you some reasonable sound, uh, advice. Um, and especially if you can pray together, then there's nothing beats that. That's amazing. Amazing. Final question. We have one minute left. Um, a link. What do you have a test link on your Instagram or which link do you recommend? No, I don't. Um, well, yeah. So if you want the full scope, I would do the R-H-E-T-I, the RETI. It's 12 bucks, but it's cheaper than a manicure. That's the way I see it, self-investment. Um, but your Enneagram coach has a wonderful one, and it, she always brings it back to the gospel. And so I just love her heart for bringing people back to Jesus all the time. And um, I, can, I can give you that link. That's amazing. Marissa, thank you so much for being with us today. This is thanks super for having helpful. me. Again, guys, go follow Marissa on Instagram, Enneagram and you. You will love following her. She's very consistent about doing videos and she has such a heart and passion for this. So give her a follow today. 
and we will stay in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for tuning in to another Worship Leaders Collective podcast. We pray that this episode encourages and inspires you in your journey as a worship leader and follower of Jesus. We also want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast and write a short review as this helps others find us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you aren't a member of our Facebook group yet, we'd love to invite you to be a member of an online community that exists to be a resource to worship leaders from all over the world. If you'd like to know more or get in touch with us, check us out at worshipleaderscollective.com.